Hello, hello, hello to all my wonderful friends and family, and I mean family. A beautiful teaching today, and it's going to be a glorious week. I want to show you from the Word how to restore the presence of God in your life. We all really, really need this. I need that. You need that. Because every so often, we need to do the right thing. So the presence of God returns on a daily basis in our life. And so the word has a lot to say about this. Wonderful Father, I give you praise today for your word. Bless us, your people, Lord, with this knowledge. Prepare our hearts and touch our lives. And we will give you the glory. Wonderful Heavenly Father. Wonderful Dearest Jesus. Wonderful Blessed Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen and amen. And thank you for being my friend, being with me today. All right, let's go to Amos. Amos chapter 9, which promises restoration. So I want to read verse 11 through verse 15 with you. That's Amos 9, beginning at verse 11. In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen and close up the breaches thereof, and I will raise up his ruins and I will build it as in the days of old. Isn't that precious? That they may possess the remnant of Edom, and of all the heathen, which are called by my name, saith the Lord that doeth this. Behold, the, day, the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes, him that soweth seed, and the mountain shall drop sweet wine, and all the hills shall melt. And I will bring again the captivity of my people of Israel. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof. They shall also make gardens and eat the fruit of them. And I will plant them upon their land, and they shall no more be pulled up out of their land, which I have given them, saith the Lord thy God. Now, there is more to this than just a prophetical fulfillment and a historical fulfillment, which a part of it already has taken place in the life of the nation of Israel, and the rest will take place when the Lord returns. But this is talking about something much higher. So it's not about a tent being restored on a dirt hill. Like when you read verse 11, God says, I will raise up the tabernacle or tent of David that is fallen and close up the breaches thereof. I will raise up his ruins. I will build it as in the days of old. Well, that's the presence of God because the uh, king, King David, built a tabernacle or a tent to put the ark in it, which represents the presence of the Lord. And here we see that this tent had fallen And now God says, I'm going to raise it back up. So, uh, the Lord is talking about a former glory, his presence, that David experienced, and now God wants to restore it. So, God is not talking about just restoring uh, a tent, restoring the Ark of the Covenant, which are facts, of course. But he's talking about restoring relationships. 
we must come to the Lord today without a veil on our eyes where we need to hear a fresh word from him. The presence of the Lord is restored first when we obey Second Peter 1.12. So if you feel in your life that somewhat the presence of God is not what it used to be in your life. You're not sensing God's presence. You're struggling to sense his presence. Here's the first step. Second Peter 1, and I'm going to read verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. This is very, very important. We have to be established in what God is doing today and what he's saying through his word today. Present truth means revelation truth from the word of God that never changes. When when the presence of God lifts, the first thing you should do is get back into your Bible to hear God's voice. Be established in the truth God is speaking to you today. We can't experience God's presence if we neglect his word. So it's not about a tent being put back on a hill in Jerusalem. It's about his presence being restored in our life. And the first thing, the word. Now, let me show you something from from Jeremiah. Let's all go to Jeremiah chapter 7. In Jeremiah chapter 7, beginning at verse at verse 12, we, we read something quite remarkable. Now, uh, a lot of people want always to go back to the experiences they've had in the past where the presence of God manifested way back then. Well, that's not the way God does it. Because in Jeremiah 7, beginning at verse 12, it says, But go ye now unto my place, which was at Shiloh, where I set my name at first, and see what I did to it for the wickedness of my people Israel. So God's presence was in Shiloh. It's no longer in Shiloh. He doesn't want people to go back to Shiloh where his presence was. And now it says, and now because you have done all these works, saith the Lord, and I speak unto you rising up early and speaking, but you didn't hear me, you heard me not. And I called you, but you did not answer. Therefore will I do unto this house. Notice what, what he says. He says, you can't go backwards to the old experience. I'm still speaking. You have to hear my word. But he said to Israel, you're not listening. So he says, now, after you've done all that you've done, trying to find it, he says, I'm speaking to you. And I speak unto you, rising up early and speaking. But you didn't hear me. I called you. You didn't answer me. Therefore, will I do unto this house, which is called by my name, wherein you trust unto the place which I gave to you 
and your fathers, as as I've done to Shiloh. Meaning, because you ignored my word, even the temple which was built at that time, I'm going to just walk away from it. So that's a very powerful thing he's saying to us. So God here, what what he's doing basically is he, he's he's rebuking Israel for trusting in their past, for wanting to go back to the past, a past experience. We always think, you know, I'm going to find God if I do it like I did it before. Well, that's not the way God works. Because he, he, he always has a fresh word for today. I've always said God does not believe in leftovers. So we cannot go backwards. We cannot go back to the things we experienced. Now we need a fresh word. So what happens? How do we, how do we get there? Well, let's go to 1 Samuel. Now this is very, you know, clear cut instructions from the word of God. So in, 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 in Shiloh, God's presence was gone. Now it says, in 1 Samuel 3, verse 1. It says, And the word of the Lord, let me just read the whole thing, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. Where was Samuel? He was in that place called Shiloh, where the tabernacle stood. That we just read about in Jeremiah. But it says there, there was no, no open vision. No presence of God. So, uh, something wrong in the camp, basically. Because no presence of God, no anointing. And the result was quite sad because in 1 Samuel 4, and this is when, when the presence of God departs because of sin or rebellion, or someone is not back reading the scriptures and praying and doing the right Christian graces in our life. God then has to wake us up. And we've all gone through that. I have in the past. But but now today in my life, I guard it. Missing even one day is very costly. Missing one day with the Lord is very expensive, very costly. A lot of harm comes because when you miss, when I miss a day with God, it's like opening a door to the enemy to come in and bring oppression back and negativity back and problems back we don't need and we don't want. So that's why Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread, daily word. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word, every word, daily word that proceeds from the lips of God Almighty. So, but when the presence is gone, here's what happens. Look at 1 Samuel 4. Look at verse 1 and 2. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel, but now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle, pitched beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines pitched in Aphek. And the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines, and they slew of the army in the field about 4,000 men. So here, here you have the enemy now, having dominion again, because people neglected the word, neglected the presence of God. 
And verse 3 says something really quite amazing to us, and, you know, we learn from that. It says, and when the people were come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? So they were, they, they were not sure why. Why are they losing? Why is the enemy back in the camp? Why is the enemy defeating us? So they decided, they, they, they said, let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us. That when it comes among us, it may save us out of the hands of our enemy. Well, what did they have? They had a ministerial meeting to bring the presence of God back. But they did it wrong. And so they sent uh, Hophni and Pinhas, who were already living in sin anyway, so that's not going to work. And the Bible says, even though they had a praise meeting, it didn't work still, because in, in verse 5, actually if you read verse 4, it says, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Pinhas, were there. In other words, they used sinners to get the presence of God back. Well, that that's, that's not, not going to work. So they they have a meeting. They say, okay, we had a problem. The, the enemy's back. So we need the presence of God back. We need the ark back. But they sent, first of all, the wrong people. Sinners. Huffman and Pinhaus were sleeping with women outside the tabernacle and stealing the sacrifices and eating them. And then it says in verse 5, And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, i got to say something here, and maybe somebody missed. When we have unbelievers among us, and we trust them to help us spiritually, we are in trouble with God. The leadership of Israel sent two men who weren't even living for the Lord. They were ministers, so-called, but not living for God. So, They were trusting basically in wrong preachers, in sinful preachers. They wanted God's presence, and they thought that these two men who were living in sin could help them. It's not going to work. We cannot trust men who are not living godly lives. And maybe somebody needs to hear this. Maybe your pastor is not exactly living holy, and you're trusting him to help you spiritually. It's not going to work. So, now they even had a, had, had a praise meeting, and it still didn't work. Look what it says, and when the ark, verse 5, when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, what did they do? All Israel shouted with a great shout. They were praising God for victory. Did it work? Nope. Be, be, because to have a praise meeting, when you're not doing it right, God will not show up. God didn't show up for this one, did he? So, why? Why? Let's go to Psalm 78. Why didn't God show up? Well, it tells us a little more in the Psalms. Psalm 78, verse 60 and 61. So that he forsook the tabernacle of Shiloh, the tent which he placed among them. And he delivered his strength into captivity, his glory into the enemy's hand. Wow. Why? Because preachers who were in Shiloh, Hophni, Pinhas, and Eli were not living for the Lord. They were hearing the wrong word from these people. You cannot receive present truth from preachers who are not living right. 
because they can't hear it from God. Nobody can give away what they don't have. We need a present word, a present truth. How can we hear it from people who are living in the past and living in sin, in old glory? And now that sin in their life is there and the glory is gone. But I can tell you, you, you can. You can see the presence of God back in your life. And that's what I've been talking about. I'm going to continue tomorrow, so it's not, you know, I can't give you everything in one day. So you have to join me tomorrow. But let's just talk about the condition, which the church is in anyways right now, just similar to this. Think about this. The church today lives in what used to be, just like them. The church today has no spiritual perception, just like Eli and his sons. The church is saying adjust, not repent, just like they did. They were trying to adjust. Nobody said repent. Who's preaching repentance anymore out there? Do, Do you hear it a lot? Not me. But now we have to look for men and, men and women who will say like Elisha said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? We have to say like Gideon in Judges 6.13. Where are his miracles we've heard about from our fathers and parents? So the, the only way the presence of God can return is when a fresh word is given to us. And we have right leaders and right friends and right people around us. You can't see the presence of God restored in your life if you have wrong people around you, wrong influence around you, like Israel did in those days. So now, because the presence of God lifted, finally Israel woke up. And what did they do? In 1 Samuel 7, we begin to see the change. And this is how it all starts. This is how it all, it, it all begins. 1 Samuel 7, verse 2, says this. And this is, this is what God is looking for today in the church, in the world. It came to pass while the ark abode in Kiryati Arim wasn't there. And the time was long. You know how often you, you see people that... Talk about what God did 30 years ago in their life or 20 years ago in their life. What is he? But he's not doing it today. For it was 20 years. Think about that. 20 years. No, no presence of God. And now all the house of Israel starts to lament. They lamented after the Lord. First good thing we read about this story. They began to cry out. We need the Lord again. We can't do it without him. That's what's going on now. How we need the Lord again. His presence in our lives. So, the ark represents the presence of God. Because, see, here's what happens. Because I will continue tomorrow. Because I'm, I'm going to give you the whole answer today. But I, I'm, I'm beginning to give you the first thing. We have to start crying out. And I think all of us are there already. Lord, where is your presence in America? Where is your your presence in our country? Where is your presence in the church especially? 
Now, we can experience God's presence in our own lives too if we do what the Bible says. And that's what I'm talking about. You know, five years ago, I began doing things in my life that brought such blessings to me. I've always known the presence of God, but there, there were times that were rough, tough times, like all of us. But five years ago, ever since then, it's like been an ongoing blessing of glory. And I'm, I'm so attached to the Lord. I, if I miss a day, trust me, if I miss a day, I pay for it. And that's why I'm, I'm talking to you like this because missing a day can be extremely expensive, very damaging to our spiritual life. I mean, missing a day with God, you know. But let me show you what, what starts to come in when God's presence is gone. First Samuel 5 verse 1 says, And the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer unto Ashdod. The first thing you see is that the minute the presence of God lifts, idols are there. Because it says they took, verse 2 says, they took the ark to the house of Dagon, to the house of their idol. So idol worship sets in, basically, when the presence of God lifts. People start worshiping. Because see, there's a need in our hearts for worship. We are desperate to worship. Because God put that in our hearts. If we're not worshiping the Lord, we're worshiping someone or something else. So we're never void of worship. Worship is in every life. But who are they worshiping? (laughs) Is it Jesus? Or is it money? Or is it job? Or is it entertainment? Or whatever it is. People are worshiping something out there. Because man was created to worship. And when God was out of their life, they began to worship each other and worship themselves and idols and devils and all the rest of it. Now, here's what we see in in verse 8. This is very interesting. It says in verse 8 of the same chapter, 1 Samuel 5, They sent therefore and gathered all the lords of the Philistines unto them and said, What shall we do with the ark? Because they, you know, Dagon fell and the idol, you know, couldn't stand in the presence of God. And they said, you know, let's just send it somewhere. Let's send it to Gath. There was another city. You know what what Gath means? It means an empty wine press. Did you, did you, did you hear that there, Chatty? An empty wine press. No wine. A place where they're trying to make wine, but there's no wine. Because it's in the enemy's camp. When the presence lifts, there's idols, and there's a wine press, but no wine. And number three, they took it in verse 10 to Ekron. Therefore, they sent the ark to Ekron. You know what Ekron means? Barrenness. Emptiness. Something that's bare. Something that's empty. That's what the word Ekron means. Now, when was the glory restored? When did the ark come back? When David was king. In 1 Chronicles 13.3, David said, Let us bring again the ark of our God to us. For we inquired not at it in the days of Saul. We did not look for it. 
we were not hungry for the presence of God. Saul had the chance, by the way, to bring the presence of God back in the life of Israel. But he messed up so big because of the fear of men. Sometimes God's presence cannot return because people fear men. They don't fear God. In 1 Samuel 14, let's look at it. Just before I say uh, bye and then we're going to continue tomorrow. I know, I know, I wish you, you know, I know you, you want me probably to continue, but listen. It's, it's better to, to give it spoon by spoon than plate by plate. Okay, because we can't eat when we eat plate by plate. So take it slow, you know. Tomorrow I'm going to show you how was the presence restored? What did David do? But look with me at, at the chance God gave Saul. But he blew it. So in, in, in verse 18 and 19 it says, And Saul said unto Ahia, Bring here the ark of God. What a chance he had. He said, For the ark of God was at that time with the children of Israel. So he had the right motive, but he got afraid from the people. He says, It came to pass while Saul talked with the priest that the noise that was in the host of the Philistines began to increase the enemy's voices, the sound of people began to increase. And Saul said, pull your hand back. Don't do it. He got scared. Boy, what a chance he blew. I mean, he blew it right there. He messed up big time. So, I'm going to show you tomorrow how to bring the presence of God back by the things we see with Samuel and David. What did they say to the people? What did they do to bring the presence back? So you have to join me tomorrow. Lord, I give you praise for your word. I thank you, Lord, you will bring your presence back into your people's lives in a mighty way, as you did in the life of David, Lord, in the life of Israel when David was on the throne. We give you the praise. And now, Lord, you said you're going to restore to us the tabernacle of David where the ark stood. You're going to restore to your people. I give you praise. I give you glory and honor. Do it, Lord, in our lifetime. Do it now. Do it now that the church will be restored all over the world. Do it in our lives, in our daily walk. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. My cry is that God would visit our world soon while we're still here. That we would see a mighty restoration of God's presence in every church. That's why I just said, Lord, do it in our lifetime. So I want to see it in, because I saw it back in the 70s and in the 80s when the glory of God was everywhere. And I believe it's going to come back. In our lives, we can see it tomorrow. We can see it today if we just do the right thing in our own private lives. And that's what I want you to enter into. And then let's pray that God brings it to the whole church. All right. We're going to continue tomorrow, but now it's time to give to the Lord's work. It's important. It's important. And by the way, we are digitizing all our old uh, meetings way back to to, to the 70s. We're putting it all on digital. And you should see the difference because the tapes from the 80s, 70s, 80s, even the 90s are, are going bad. They're actually wearing out. And you could see lines and, you know, things that are wearing the tape out. And we don't want to lose it because 
we don't want to lose God's word that was preached. People were blessed because God's word is always in the, in the now. God's word is forever now. So we are restoring. We have just begun to restore and digitize, putting into the newer format, all our old meetings and crusades because the, the glory of God need to be seen by our children so they can long for it. So will you please help me uh, by giving an offering? We need a lot of money for this. It's, it's going to be half a million dollars because this is years. We're talking 30, 40 years of, of material there. Actually, a little bit more than that. That's from the 70s. That we need to digitize so our children and grandchildren will not lose the ability to be able to see what God did so they can cry out for God to do it again in their life. Okay, like we're all crying now. All right, so you can give right now to Benihin Ministries. You can go on the platform you're watching me on. You can go to our website, benihin.org, or you can text BHM45777. Don't miss tomorrow because I'm going to show you some powerful truth about restoring the presence of the Lord that, that you, you will not lose it after this. Much love. I'll see you tomorrow.